0: Good morning, WCF. It's good to see all of the chatter going on. It's good to see your bright, shining faces this morning. I encourage you to stand and open up and just praise God. Remember those ones that we call sing? that we couldn't stay. But he came and he died and he rose those walls around now. Remember those giants we called Death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. And he any i and say good morning to people standing around you and just glad you're here.
1: God, I thank you. You're the God that that gives to us grace and mercy. God, you are beyond our comprehension and understanding in all the things that you give to us. Lord, we do pray for the peace of Israel and the peace of Jerusalem as the the ground fighters prepare to go into Gaza. And as there are so many hostages that are there, Lord, we would ask that, that these hostages would come home, both Israeli and American. Father, we pray for the soldiers that will be going in and taking back these lands, protect them. We pray for peace in Jerusalem and, and Israel as a whole. We, Lord, we know that peace won't come until the peacemaker comes. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Father, we do pray for this young boy that, that needs this transplant. We ask that you would bring healing to him. And comfort to Him. And we pray, God, that these resources that we collect this morning would be used for ministry, for Your purpose, and for Your kingdom. God, that we would be able to minister to the next generation of kids throughout the world and even in Columbia County. Lead us, Holy Spirit, this morning as we pray, as we worship, as we study Your Word. That we understand the ministry of presence that is afforded to us through Your people. God, we thank You for all that You've given us, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: She together every Sunday, God, safety and the fact that we can we can raise our hallelujah up to you, God. Thank you for opening up our voices and just letting us express who we are. Everything that you do in all of our lives, God, in Jesus name. Amen.
1: If you would, open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 21 as we are moving through the lessons that we're learning through the land of Canaan, and we've come to an end of the distribution of the land as we study this uh, distribution of the Levitical cities. As you look at it, and if you've read through Joshua 21 in prep for today, you're like, okay, Carrie, what kind of message are you going to bring out of this? There's a lot here. There, there's, there's some nuggets that we're going to mine out. Of This text and, and concepts that are here and one of the the one of the nuggets of truth really has to do with the tribe of Levi. When we think about the tribe of Levi and as prepping for the study and working through who they are and stuff, <clears throat> I came up with this question, is God's grace greater than our failures? Now that's a question you have to wrestle with. Is God's grace greater than our failures? Now, if you answer the Sunday school way, you'll go, "Yeah, it is." But do you really believe it? We all have failures of faith in our life. We all make mistakes. We all mess up in our lives at one point or another. There isn't anyone that's perfect. There is no one that's righteous. No one that does good in their own nature. We all have failed and will continue to fail. We are human within this. Yet God's greater than our failures. We read in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. It's not if you fall, you will. It's will you get up. That's the whole point. Will you get up? Will you change the trajectory of of that failure by getting up? Because your failures don't have to define you. Your failures are failures. Yes, acknowledge the failures and you may have to live with the consequences of those failures. But they don't have to define your future as is the case of the tribe of Levi within this, we're going to see God's grace for a tribe that had failed miserably. Now, Joshua 21, as we come into this, really is about this last inheritance that needs to go out to the 12 tribes. All 11 tribes have all gotten their land. They've all got their borders. The cities of refuge have been set up within the land. All of this has all been set up. And he waited until this tribe of Levi, the third son of Leah and Jacob. Jacob is, if you don't know, Jacob and Israel is the same person, interchangeable, within that. And the tribe of Levi is known as the priestly tribe within this. Now, you say, well, what was Levi's failure? Levi was a landless tribe. They weren't allowed to have land because they failed. You see... When we take a look at what happened, and you can read about it if you want, in Genesis chapter 34, verses 25 to 29, Levi and Simeon found out about this guy named Shechem who had raped their sister Dinah. And they took it upon themselves to get even. And they did it with craft and and treachery. So they went to him and they said, Hey, look it, you violated our sister, and this guy, Shechem, he really loved her. And he, oh, I really love you. He was Twitter-pated, And he really messed up. So Levi and Simeon went to him and said, well, if you really want to be part of us, then you have to be circumcised. You and all the family and all the men that are there. Now, you've got to understand, that is a real commitment for a guy. And so he talked them into it, that they needed to prove their worth and to be able to do this. And so Levi and Simeon decided, hey, we're going to talk them into this. And so, you know, Twitter paid to check him and his dad and all the people they went ahead and went with. And they waited until like the second day when they were recovering but couldn't do anything. And went in and slaughtered them all. They had no intention of, of being kind. They went in after them within this. And as a result, Jacob, or Israel, cursed Simeon and Levi to be landless, to be scattered people. Note, in Genesis chapter 49, verses 5 through 7, it says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. And this, is, this would be their blessing, not much of a blessing. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their council. Let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, And in their self-will, they lamed oxen, cursed be the anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. And note, I will disperse them in Jacob, or literally Israel, the land, and scatter them in the land that is there. So they were to be scattered within that land. Now, when we looked at Simeon, he he did get a piece of land out of Judah, but he would eventually be eaten up by Judah, and they would lose all of their inheritance. But Levi... What about Levi? Levi's a little bit different. Levi actually vindicates himself. How did he do that? Well, the tribe of Levi stood with Moses when everybody went against him and Baal. In Exodus chapter 32, 26, 29, says, And then Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him and he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man of you put his sword upon his thigh, go back and forth from the gate to the gate in the camp, kill every man and his brother and every man, his friend and every man, his neighbor. And so the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed and about 3000 men of the people fell that day. And then Moses said, dedicate yourselves today to the Lord. For every man has been against his son and against his brother in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. And so Levi, who was a secular tribe that was driven by anger, that was driven by sin, stood up with Moses and rededicated themselves as unto the service unto God. And Moses acknowledged that. And so Levi would become, the tribe of Levi would become the priestly tribe. They would not get land, a chunk of land in themselves, but they'd be scattered throughout the land in all of the cities that are there. They they would not be able to have wealth. They would have to be dependent upon their brothers. They would have to be dependent upon all of the other tribes to supply their needs. But, and, and Israel would supply the needs of them as the priestly tribe, all of the tribes would supply the needs of the tribes of Levi. Numbers eighteen twenty one. To the sons of Levi, behold, I've given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform the service of the tent of meeting. So Levi would be set up in this place where they would, as a tribe, have one job in the land of Israel serve the Lord and be a representative of God to all of the tribes that are there. They would not be able to have land or an inheritance of of any wealth. They would be dependent upon the offerings of the people in supplying their needs as a result of their sin, but also the blessing. And God's grace provided for them. They didn't disappear. God gave them ministry. It's interesting that the tribe of Levi was not allowed to be Warriors. Yet, they were called to go into every battle. Why? Because they were to bring the ministry of presence of God into every battle in every situation. The tribe of Levi would be more or less like our chaplains today, where they, they would bring in the, the presence of God into the towns, into the cities, into the battles, and they would make sure that worship and the teaching of God's word was available to everybody. We would look at them much like the, the pastoral tribes, or the pastors that we have today. The, the tribe of Levi would be the, what we would call the keepers of the sacred presence. They were the keepers of, of, of God, and by grace, God used them. Now, as we look at this, I want to challenge you because you think, I have failed miserably. God can never use me. Is that a truth or a lie? To lie, because God's greater than our failures, as with the tribe of Levi. And he had a plan all along for the tribe of Levi. In fact, God would know that they would fail. And so Levi is an example of God's grace in restoring the one who failed back to spiritual service, back to a plan and back to a purpose within that. And so the mission of the tribe of Levi, as we're going to see, was to bring God's presence throughout the land. Question. What's the mission of the church today? Isn't the mission of the church to bring God's presence throughout the world to all mankind? Doesn't God take sinners and and redeem them and bring them back to this place where they can bring the presence of God into their community? We're going to see that today as the modern church takes up this Levitical mantle, if you will, to be in that place where we can participate. And there's a reason why Levi would, would be the last, and that's important to understand. Let's stand. I do want to read. We're not going to read all 45 verses of 21. You're welcome. <clears throat> but I do want to read the, the summary verses in verses 41 to 45. It says this. In all the cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the sons of Israel were 48 cities with their pasture lands, and these cities each had its surrounding pasture lands. Thus it was with all of the cities. And so the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them, note, rest on every side according to all that he has sworn to their fathers. And no one of all of their enemies stood before them. And the Lord gave all their enemies into their hands, not one. Of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed, all came to pass. God, we thank you that you give to us this example, that you are faithful to your word. And Lord, even though it took a lot of time and a lot of difficulty, you have brought the nation into this land. Lord, we pray this morning that we'll see our role in the land that you have us. And may we bring the ministry of presence, your presence. The world around us. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. You can be seated. So, in chapter twenty-one, beginning with verses one through three, it really kind of sets up as as we already have looked at this this aspect where God provides the servants to serve the people. God is the one that calls people into service. God says, "Look at I, I am calling you into service within this and and." In this gathering place, we, here in verses one through three, we see Jacob, or I'm sorry, Joshua, and Eleazar. Joshua is leading the tribes. Eleazar, the high priest, leading them into the distribution of land in Shiloh. And in Shiloh, it was the place of worship. So all the heads of the clans of Levi came to Shiloh, and they gathered there to be able to receive their promise. Now, they already knew that there were 48 cities that were going to be designated to them. And you say, well, why 48? Was there a special 48? No, there's no don't get weird about 48. It, there's nothing spiritual about 48. Other than the fact that these were the cities that were pre-selected to be what would be called Levitical cities. These were places where the Levites would own the cities and the pasture land around it for the purpose of service within this. So Joshua and Eliezer come together, and they were in Shiloh meeting at the at the tabernacle. And the sons of Levi, there were three, Kohath, Gershon, and Moriah. Now, these were the three clans that came out of Levi within them. Aaron had these three sons within this. And it's important to understand that these three sons have divisions. It's also interesting to understand what their roles were within this. And what their mission was. When you think about the tribe of Levi, it was different than all of the other 11 tribes. Levi had one job. One job. Provide worship. Provide the teaching of God's Word. Provide access to God. You are you are the managers, the caretakers, the keepers of the sacred presence. So that everyone in the land would have access to Yahweh. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 8 through 11 says this. And of Levi, he said, Let the Thuman and the Urim belong to your godly man, being the high priest, whom you proved at Massa, and with whom you contended in the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and mother, I didn't consider them, and he did not acknowledge his brothers, nor did he regard his own sons, for they observed your word and kept the covenant. They shall teach, note, they shall teach your ordinances To Jacob or Israel and your law to Israel. And they'll put incense before you the whole burnt offerings on your altar. The Lord bless his substance and accept the work of his hands. Shatter the loins of those who rise up against him and those who hate him so that they will not rise again. In other words, what was Levi to do? Provide the places of worship. They were to provide for the tabernacle which was the central place. But not everybody would go to Tabernacle all the time. So within the cities that were there, they were to provide synagogue or places of teaching that is there. We would call them community churches today. The idea was that God's word would be accessible and taught regularly to the whole nation within that. So all the Levites, even though they were scattered, it was God's plan. They were scattered for purpose, that they all had that purpose. And so God would provide the the plan. And if you ever wonder, God, why did you send me to Warren, Oregon? Because he wanted me to teach the word here. Why does God send somebody over to Japan, our missionaries? Why? Because God wants them to teach the word there. Why does God send missionaries to Mozambique? To teach the word there within this. It is God's intention as keepers of that sacred presence to bring the word wherever God sends you. You are his his servants. You are the keepers of that sacred presence and so you can do that. And so God promised and made this promise. So they came up to Shiloh and the Lord and the Lord commanded and he said the Lord commanded Moses to give us his cities within this land. Now, in Numbers 35, 7, it says, Now all the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be 48 cities together with their pasture lands. Why? It's an agrarian culture. And so the Levites were to live off of the offerings, but they were also to provide for themselves. And so they were to be able to do all the farming and all the things that they normally would do within that. And so not only was the, were the tribes to provide for the cities, and the cities were theirs, But the tribes were to provide for them the ability for these Levites to be able to provide for their families. It was intended that these Levites would grow up in the community and be part of the community that was in this. And so within this, it's God's provision for Levi to get a portion of the land that was already given. Why was Levi the last to get their inheritance? Because God had designated all of the lands to all of the tribes and out of their grace gift of land, they were to give back to God by his people to support the spiritual work within their town. We do the same thing today through offering out of what God has provided you, you give and you support the ministries here at the church or or wherever to be able to do that to be able to make those provisions. That's God's intention for providing for ministry. Now, as we take a look at this, it was God's determination that they would be separated all over. Now, I want to show you a map, and I know it's going to be super hard to see, but just to orient yourself. So, when you take a look at these tribes, this is the whole land. It's broken up into a north, a central, and a south And within this, this area down here is—I'm sorry, this area down here is going to be the Kohathites, and then you got the Gershonites, and then you have the Merites, and they have some of the land that's on the west side. I'm sorry, the east side, and then the west side within this. And my brothers, when I look at the land today, I really think that this should be the borders of the nation of Israel today. It was the land. It was the land that was designated. The borders of Israel today are much smaller than this. But it is what it is. And so we look at, at how they, they've lost quite a bit of land because they gave it up. And now and because, as we'll see, they didn't do what they were supposed to in getting everybody out. But as we take a look at this land, there is a clan inheritance. Look at verses uh, 4 through 8. It says this, And then the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the sons of Aaron, and the priests, who were the Levites, received thirteen cities by lot, from the tribe of Judah and from the tribe of Simeon and the tribe of Benjamin. And the rest of the sons of the Kohathites received ten cities by lot from the families in the tribes of Ephraim and the tribe of Dan and the half of the tribe of Manasseh. So the first ones that we see is this 13 cities that go to the Kohathites. Now we studied about the lot. The lot was the way that God had, had designated who got what. Out of the three sons, the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and the Merites, only part of the Kohathites were of the priestly tribe. And that would be of, of the sons of Levi. It would be Moses, it would be Aaron, and those. In the Kohathites, there were two divisions. There were the priestly ones that handled all of the holy implements and the non-priestly ones that would handle the structure of them. And so he kind of gave out that that whole idea that these Kohathots would have these two divisions. So there's a 13 and a 10. So math scholars, how many cities is that? 23, right? But it's divided within that because some of the priestly groups would be there. So the 13 would come from Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin. The city of Jerusalem is where? close to Judah and Benjamin. It's right on, that, right on that border that is there. Then you have the ten cities of Ephraim, Dan, and West Manasseh that are in the north. The Gershonites, verses 6 through 13, says the sons of Gershon, received 13 cities by lot from families of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and half the tribe of Manasseh and Bashan, which would be on the Transjordanian side. So they would get their cities, 13 cities in all, and then the Marites would, would get their land. The sons of Meri, according to their families, received 12 cities from the tribes of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and Zebulun. So Reuben and Gad, trans side, Zebulun on the other side. What's important to note is every tribe, all 11 tribes, had to give of their cities to Levi. They had to give that support of Levi. Why? Because Levi had one job. Teach the Word. Provide the ministry of presence. Provide the place of worship. Levi had the, the tri- these tribes, these people would live in community together. And they would be within community. I really have, have always held a position that if you're going to pastor a church, you need to live in the community that you're pastoring. There are some, some pastors that I know that don't live in their community. They drive in to their church and, and they're living in cities far away from where, where their church is. I don't think that that's a, a good place to be. Why? Because how do, you, how do you know the people that you're serving within that community? The ministry of presence requires you to be hmm, present. Available. Ministry of Presence is, requires us to know what's going on and be ready to serve in the community to be able to do that. We need to be a church, and all of you are, are, are called to serve and bring that Ministry of Presence in the community that you're at. Maybe it's your work community, maybe it's your neighborhood community. Wherever you are living, bring the Ministry of Presence God's presence there. Bring the teaching of God's word that is there. We are called to be salt and light, Jesus said. No one has a light and hides it under a bushel, do they? No, that would be foolish. And, and salt is the preserving factor So within this. And it was God's intention in his theocratic government that he would be in charge But the tribe of Levi would be his representatives within all of those communities that are there. To be present. Some of you work in in, in an office or in a space. Could you do a Bible study at work? Sure you could. Could you pray at work? Sure you could. Could you provide counsel to those that are hurting or that are going through difficult times at work? Could you do that? Absolutely you could. Now there are missions that are doing that and there are there are chaplains that actually go into businesses and some businesses have a chaplain. And it's interesting that a business would see the need to have a chaplain. But I can tell you this, if the body of Christ was acting as servants within the community, you wouldn't have any need for a chaplain. Because you'd have a bunch of them. You say, well, God can't use me. Yeah, he can but you've got to be present and look for those opportunities that are that are there. And so within this, all of these tribes were all set up in such a way that they would live, they would carry on life, and the ministry of presence would, would be initiated and instigated by these uh, leaders that would be within this place. Now, Verses 9 through 40 is a breakdown of all the cities, and we're not going to go through all of them by name. It, it, it just is kind of crazy. But if you're one that likes to outline, I'm going to give you an outline, and we're just going to kind of do a, a brief flyover. The priestly clan of the Koathites is verses 9 through 19. And as you look at those, it says, And these were the cities that were given here mentioned from the tribe of the sons of Judah and from the tribes of the sons of Simeon, and the sons of Aaron and the family of the Kohathites and the sons of Levi, for the lot was theirs first. And then they started working down the cities. This priestly clan of the Kohathites, if we were to take these, this priestly group that had the 13 cities and say, well, who are they most like? They would be like church elders. They were responsible for the teaching of God's word, for the handling of all of the things of the, the tabernacle, the ark, the table of showbread, the lampstand, the altars. Every article of worship. It was their job to handle all of these things for the tabernacle, and it would continue to be their job all the way to the fall of Israel. It would be these tribes of the Kohathites that would be in charge. In Numbers chapter three, verse thirty-one says this. And now their duties involved the ark and the table and the lampstand, the altars and the utensils of the sanctuary, which were which they minister in the screen and all the services concerning them. So the Kohathites were the elders, or considered the elders, right? They had that spiritual role. As a church, we have elders that handle the spiritual role. And so within that, and that's function and calling that God's given to us within this. The non-priestly clan of the Kohathites, the ten cities that were there, they were also in charge of, of serving and teaching, but they didn't handle the ten... The temple implements that are there within that. So they would be assistance to that. Then you come to the clan of the Gershonites. Verses 27 to 33, they break down all the cities. Well, who were these Gershonites? Well, you take a look at verse 27, and it says, And to the sons of Gershon, one of the families of the Levites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and the Golan and, and Bashan, and the cities of refuge and the manslayer and so on, went through the whole city and the pasture lands that are there. What was their job? They were the deacons. In Numbers 3, 25 27, it says, And now the duties of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle in the tent, its covering, its screen, its doorway, the tent of meeting, the hangings of the court, the screen for the doorway of the court, which was around the tabernacle and the altar, and its cords according to the service according to them. They were the construction workers. They were the deacons that whenever the, the tabernacle needed to be moved, they moved it. They were the ones that took care of it. And so they handled that deacon role in order to provide a place to worship. We have deacons within our church today that handle many functions. We have... we have And and, and they're named deacons and non-named deacons. We have we have a funeral ministry that is a deacon position. We have a finance that's, that's a deacon position. We have missions that's a deacon position. We have all of these positions that are there that provides for the function of the church and the gathering that is there. And so within this we see the duties of the Gershonites being more deacon-like. And then you have the clan of the Marites, verses 34 to 40. And, and it says this, that these were more like, so we have the deacons and then we have the ushers. And Numbers 3, 36 to 37 says this, and now appointed the duties of the sons of Merah, involved in the frames, in the tabernacle, and its bars, and its pillars, its sockets, all the equipment and service concerning them, and the pillars around the court were their sockets and pegs in their courts. In other words, their job was to make sure that, that everything was ready for the congregation to come in. Make sure everything's tied up, that the tabernacles are not going to fall on their head. It would be a bad day, wouldn't it? I mean, you come in and you're there and, and you know... The ushers weren't there. They didn't, they didn't put the, the poles in the sockets and all of that. And a wind came by and it fell on everybody. That would be a bad day. Ushers are necessary. We have ushers that make sure the room's ready, that make sure the doors are open, make sure the heat's doing what it's doing, and you can get to all the things. Why? So that you can be taken care of. Everybody has a role. Every has, everybody has a role in the acts of worship whether it's eldering or, or deaconing or, or ushering, everybody has a role. For what? So that we can all come together and worship. So we can be in that place. So we can provide a place of where the ministry of presence would exist within this. One of the things that I think is super important to understand is this. God has a place for you in the body of Christ. And it may not be up here teaching. But, you know, the people that are in the loft that are broadcasting, that's a deacon role. Do you know that we have a number of people that are shut-ins that don't get to come to church? And, and they're watching online right now because our, our team is doing deacon work? That is, that is super important. You know that we have, we have people that are working in the nursery. Nursery. We have people working in children's ministry. Nursery, maybe that's more of a deacon job. Children's ministry, that's an eldering job. That's teaching the Word. Youth ministry, more of an eldering job within that. We have people that go out and and build ramps for people that need ramps to be able to get in their house. That's a deaconing job. Now, if we start taking everything that is put together and what we do, we can find those categories. And you say, well... Can I do that? And the answer is yes. Should you do that? The answer is what? Yes. Yes. Why? Because God has selected you for such a time as this to be able to serve Him, serve the body of Christ, the community, and serve the community at large. And what does that look like? It just means being present. It means being in that place where when God says, hey, can you go do this? You say, yes, Lord, I can and I will. Being present. You see, all of these Levites had regular households. They had farming animals. They had all the things that they needed to do. But because of the grace of God shown to them, they weren't wiped off the face of the planet. God said, okay, I'm going to use you. I have a special plan for you. And out of all of the tribes, I think the tribe of Levi was the most blessed. Why? Because when you serve in spirit and in truth and you minister to somebody in their deepest, darkest time in their need and they get a hand up, you're blessed. When you can make a difference in somebody's life, you're blessed. And you have to be available within this. And so, out of all of the three tribes, yes, there was there was a difference in calling. And there, in, in the church today, there's a diversity of gifts. But it's all given by the same God one purpose to bring him glory. Are you doing that? We need to be salt and light in South Columbia County and in our world. For those of you that work in Portland, does the gospel need to go to Portland? That's kind of a dumb question. Or Hillsboro or wherever you're at. But the reality is this, You are God's servants, God's messengers called to take the gospel that is there. Why was Levi selected last? Levi was selected last to find their their place within the community. Find your place in community and provide that ministry of presence. Lastly, Joshua summarizes this as we read in verses 41 to 45. In 41 and 42 it says, And all the cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the sons of Israel were 48 cities with their pasture lands. And the cities each had its surrounding pasture lands. Thus it was within the cities. One of the elements that I think that is important to understand this is that though Levi was scattered, they were scattered for a purpose for the ministry of presence. But they weren't just to live off of, you know, donations. They were to take care of their houses. They were to raise the next generation within this and continue on. The other aspect that I think is important in the scattering that uh, one guy did some work on a map. Why 48 cities? Because all the predominant places where people lived were no further away from a Levitical city than 10 miles. That everybody lived within 10 miles of a Levitical city. Within that. That provides for community. That is there. And lastly, God kept His promise. Look at verses 43 to 45. It says, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which He had sworn to give to their fathers. And they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them, no, rest on every side according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. And no one of them, of all their enemies, stood before them. And the Lord gave all the enemies into their And not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. God doesn't fail. At the end of this, God made a promise to Abraham. And that promise was passed down to Isaac and Jacob and so on. And God kept his word. God is faithful. He is always faithful. The ones that mess it up are who? Us. We can't blame God for not being faithful. We're the ones that mess things up. God kept all of His promises. And the land was a gift, a grace gift to them. God kept all His promises and He gave them rest from all of the enemies. And God kept all of His promises to be free. The only problem is, Israel did fail. In fact, as we read through the land, Judah, Ephraim, West Manasseh, and Dan all failed to conquer the land and drive the Canaanites out. The conflict that we see in the Middle East today, is that God's fault or man's fault? Man's fault. Because they didn't do what God told them to do. We need to listen to God. If we listen to God and submit to Him, we will not fail. God's promises never fail. He is sure. I love the fact that God showed great grace to the tribe of Levi. Brought them back from a place of being scattered. And gave them purpose and mission. I love the fact that God intended for His word to be instilled in the heart of every believer in Israel. As He does for us today. I love for the fact that God takes a group of people and says, I want to empower you and anoint you for the purpose of ministry. Now go do it. And I love for the fact that God's promises never fail. So what should we do? We should provide the ministry of presence to our community, to our workplace, everywhere we go. When God says, go, we say, yes. When God says, go, and we say, I don't feel like I can do that. God says, yeah, you can, I'm with you. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You for the privilege and the power and the presence of Your Spirit that's in the church today. That God, You've empowered us to to be present on people's worst days, most difficult days. Lord, whether they receive Your presence or not, that's not on us. We can be present and they can reject You, and that's on them. But if we don't provide presence... When you call us to, that's on us. Lord, I thank you that our failures don't define us. I thank you by your grace that you call us out and you use us for your glory and for your kingdom. And as we go out today, may we understand that we can provide your promises to a community that really needs you and teach your word so that they can, they can recover from their failures know you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. led us from from bondage and slavery of sin into life. And your promise that you've given to us through your son, Jesus, that whoever puts their their trust in in him will not be disappointed. Lord, as we go out this day, may we realize that your grace is greater than our failures. That you called us for purpose, and that purpose is to bring the word out to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May we fulfill our calling. May you lead us to those places of ministry and community to bring your presence into this dark, dark world. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and praise Jesus.